So, if you would, let's look at the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk. I, I think when I get to heaven, I'm going to spend several, several days apologizing to different people there for the way I pronounce their name down here. So, Habakkuk, Habakkuk, oh, he's, he's one of the easy ones. Um, how about, uh, remember the prayer of Jabez? I learned uh, later on that it was Yabetz. So, anyway, uh, I apologize, Mr. Habakkuk, for for ruining your name. But uh, in Habakkuk chapter 2, let's look at verse, uh, I'm going to read verse 2 and 3. It says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. It will not, it will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. You know, vision always has to do with, with what you can see. It has to do with, with, uh, whether you, what you see in the natural, what you see in the spiritual realm. And the, the title of this message for today is, Oh Say Can You See? And uh, one of the reasons for that is, is some of the protests that have been going on uh, about the uh, national anthem and, and the American flag, and I'll address that in, in a minute. But your ability to see is is very much connected to your level of faith. Um, you know we've been we've been joining whenever we can. Uh, Pastor Mark and Janet Brazee on on every day they have a a prayer meeting for about a half an hour uh, at one o'clock uh, Eastern time. It's uh, noon in Tulsa, and and we really have enjoyed listening to their their prayer teaching and, and the actual praying. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mark was, was talking about how when he would watch the news, how upset he would get at, at watching these rioters and, and how it just disturbed him so much. And that, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's me too. I want to get a biggest ball bat I can find to just go in there and start Waiting through, yeah, here, you know, protest this, buddy. And then I calmed down and, and listened to the rest of what he was teaching. But he, he pointed out a scripture in James chapter 5. And, and he, he brought something out here that, that made me change somewhat and start to see things differently. And that's what we're talking about. How we see things. And in James chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 7, it says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. That's an important phrase there, the precious fruit of the earth. Waiting patiently for it until it, it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another. Brethren, lest you be condemned, behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord 
as an example of suffering and patience. You know, there, did you know suffering and patience are Bible words? They're not, they're not words that I like to dwell on a lot, but there they are. And, and that is part of how we, uh, adjust how we see things. It says, indeed, we count them blessed who endure. We're enduring some things right now in this country and around the world. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. And, and if you spend too much time watching these news reports, watching these, these riots and the, the anarchy and the, the burning and looting, you wonder, God, why don't you stop that? Why don't you do something about that? Uh, like I said, I had it in my heart originally. I wanted to do something about it. I wanted to, to, to start uh, executing my own kind of vengeance on, on them. But that's, but that's not God. It says God is merciful. He's compassionate. You mean the people that are causing all of that chaos and the looting and burning, they're the precious fruit of the earth? Yeah, they are. Just as much as you and I are. And the thing that, that really, when, when Pastor Mark brought this out, that Jesus loves those people just as much as He loves me. And so what we, we've been praying, now here in, uh, in verse 7 where it talks about uh, waiting patiently until it receives the early and latter rain. We're praying for the rain of the Holy Spirit to be manifest on, on these people that somehow the right people will be sent across their path or however God... Can, wants to do it, that they, their eyes would be opened, their hearts would be changed, and God doesn't want to lose those people. You know, while we might want to wade in with a, a baseball bat or whatever means we might choose, that's not God's method of doing that. He, he really longs for those people to turn their hearts toward Him. Um, so obviously, I wasn't seeing things the same way that uh, that God sees it, but I'm I'm changing. Now, it doesn't mean I've I've changed my opinion that I don't like those things, but uh, I'm I'm starting to see another side of that of that whole thing. And uh, you know, the the problem with most people is we aren't able to see things the way that people on the other side see the same situation. Um, so the title of this message, as I said, is Oh Say Can You See? Because I, I've been watching these pro athletes. Well, I haven't been watching them for quite a while, but I've been reading about them. The pro athletes who have been kneeling during the national anthem. And, and in, in my opinion and, and the opinion of a lot of other people, they've been disrespecting the flag and the national anthem. But the way they see it, they see that they're doing something good. Now, the way people, especially people in my generation and who served in, in the military, see it as, as one of the most disrespectful things that you could ever do, to, to kneel 
And, uh, but, but they don't see what I see. And I'm just now starting to see a little bit what they see. I, I, again, I don't agree with it, but I can, I can start to have a, a little bit of understanding and a little more compassion for what they have and what they need and what, what God wants to do to reach them. Um, like I said, they think they're doing something good. Uh, I, and, you know, the same thing, uh, those who are anti-police, they want to defund the police. Uh, they don't see the police the way that, that people who are pro-law enforcement, pro-police, I'm one of those, see that that's a, that's a dangerous job. And, and especially now they're putting their life on the line to go out there and, and there's a target on their back. Uh, people are, are trying to, to kill police just indiscriminately because they're police. So there's, there's that segment of society that sees police as all police are bad. We need to get rid of them. And there's the other segment that says, you know, we need to, you know, maybe train the police better, but we need more, not less, of of the the policing. So, um, it, again, it's it's seeing things in a way that that the other side sees it that we haven't done before. Um, and I'm and I'm not saying again to change. How you, where you stand on any of these issues. It's just that uh, there's more than one way to see any situation. How do we see things anyway? It's amazing how many times the Bible talks about vision. And in Psalm, Psalm 89, uh, verse 19, is just one example of that. Psalm 89, verse 19, says... I need to moisture here. Uh, verse 19 says, Then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One and said, I have given help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. But I want to point out, it says, You spoke in a vision. You, know, you think about what language God speaks God speaks in vision. And, uh, you know, the, the joke that we had when I lived in Hungary was, was what language will we speak in heaven? And, and so the joke is it'll be Hungarian because I'll have eternity to finally learn it. Because Hungarian, I, I know God has a sense of humor because to me, the most two difficult languages in the world are Mongolian and Hungarian. And God sent me to both those places. So, uh, there's, but, you know, the, 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 unless that sound produces some kind of an image, it really doesn't mean anything. Um, I'm gonna say a word here and see if it makes an image to you. I know it will to one person sitting here, but if I say the word kucha, yeah, nobody knows, nobody. But if I say the English word, dog, now everybody has a picture of a dog. And if you close your eyes, and I add more words to that, for example, if I say big dog, now some of you had to change your picture. Big black dog, picture changes more. Uh, Big black dog, missing one ear. 
Okay, that's that's even a different picture. Big black dog missing one ear has a pink ribbon around its neck. Now you got a pretty good picture that if that a, a big black dog with missing one ear and, and uh, had a pink ribbon trotted down here, you would think, oh, that's that's the dog he's talking about. But without without those words to help create the picture, you don't know what it says. You know, when when we first moved to Hungary, uh, most of the time I you know I would hear Hungarian and it was just sounds in the air, and it didn't mean a thing to me. Gradually, I picked up some words like kucha, dog, you know, and one of the first phrases I learned was vijaz a kucha harap, which says. Uh, watch out, the dog bites. You know, that's, you know, I didn't get to use it all that much, but hey, I, I knew something. So uh, I'm exhausting most of the Hungarian that I do know. It's it's a very complicated language. I do know a lot of words in Hungarian. I just don't know how to put them together to make a picture for someone to see what I'm what I have in mind. Um, but but words in other languages don't mean a thing unless they unless they give you a picture of something um, and you know we're talking about seeing and and really just what we've said so far you're you're seeing some things um, there was an interesting movie several years ago about the the life of Ben Carson when he was younger uh, now, for, if there's anyone who does not know who Ben Carson is, he's, he's the secretary of, uh, what, uh, HUD, yeah. But he, when he was a, a young boy and growing up in Detroit, he thought he was stupid. In fact, all of his classmates thought he was stupid and they treated him stupid. But Ben Carson went on to become the first surgeon ever to separate Siamese twins who were joined at the head and and have both live. Uh, that's pretty impressive to have on your resume. Uh, you can't be stupid and, and do those kinds of things. But God showed him how to do that. And he gives all the, all the credit and glory to God for that. But... In this movie, it's called Gifted Hands, the Ben Carson story. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. But Ben Carson's mother, twice in the movie, says a phrase that just caught my attention. And and it just really exemplifies how how we need to be as believers. And he would get in trouble. And first of all, she would say, Ben, you're a smart boy. She kept telling him he was a smart boy. You're not stupid. But she would say, Ben, you've got to see beyond what you can see. Now think of that. How do you see beyond what you can see? It's because it's, it's easy to see and comment on things that are obvious right before us. But, you know, even Jesus, it says Jesus uh, went to the cross for the joy, he could endure the cross for the joy that was set before him. He could see on the other side of the cross. He could see you and me. And, the, and the, to me, that's just so powerful. Um, Romans ten seventeen, very familiar piece of scripture for, uh, especially for 
those of us who consider ourselves to be word of faith, but it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, why is that? Because when you hear, you see. When you hear, you see. Words are thought containers. And, and if you think of it that way, it makes you more careful in the things that you send out because you're sending out, uh, thoughts. And sometimes we, we get in such a habit of doing such mindless, uh, crazy things that we just say it because it's a funny thing to say, but we don't realize that we're sending out containers of thoughts that are affecting other people. Um, Psalm 119, 130 is another important facet of, of uh, seeing. Psalm 119, 130 says, The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. How, how do words get in you in the first place? You hear them, yeah. But unless that sound produces an image, uh, it doesn't mean anything. Just like that, if, if you're hearing a foreign language, if you don't, if it doesn't create an image in you, it doesn't, you don't understand. But when you understand, when you understand that, uh, God's word are not just sounds, they're not just words on a, on a paper, His words contain His thoughts. Just like your words contain your thoughts, God's words contain God's thoughts. And His, His thoughts are, are higher than our thoughts. They are holy and they are, they are filled with power. His words produce images of His thoughts. And when, when this comes to you, when his thoughts come to you and that starts to produce that image, it, it gives light. You know, light is required for you to see. And probably the worst lighted place in this, in this whole sanctuary is right here where I'm trying to see my notes. But it's, so it's, it's so important. So maybe it may, means more to me right now than, than anybody else, but Light helps you see. We'll talk about that more in a bit. But uh, you have to have light to be able to see. The other thing about God's words and your words, words have the ability to reproduce themselves. Words are seed. And, and the words are, are planted, uh, Mark 4 is all about the sower sowing the word, the word of God, and, and how it produces in the right heart, in the right soil. But, uh, they, those, those words pre- create an image to the point where if you can see it, you can have it. If you can see it, you can be it. Amen? Um, if you can't see it, you can't do it. 
You know, when I, I was younger, uh, much younger, I wanted to be in the Olympics. I was a pretty good discus thrower. I threw in college and, uh, and got to throw with some, uh, the world's record holder at the time. And so I got it in my mind that I wanted to, to be in the Olympics. Well, I, I wasn't ready in 1972 for the, for the Olympics in, in Munich. Um, so I thought, well, maybe the one in Montreal in 76, I can do that. So I, uh, I also worked part time in a cheese factory and, and I had this rubber apron and I put the, the Olympic circles on it and, and I, but I didn't, that, that's not going to help you go to the Olympics. You have to get in the weight room. You have to make the sacrifice to be. And I could not see myself doing the things that needed to be done when I had to have a part-time job. I didn't have a sponsor like the elite athletes. But until you can see it, you you can't be it. You understand? Are you with me? Okay. Um, see, a pop, it's popular for people to say, well, seeing is believing. Well, not really. In, when it comes to faith, it's the other way around. Believing is seeing. You have to believe it before you can see it. And, and to the natural mind, that doesn't make sense. Well, I'll, I'll believe it, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, you don't need faith if you can already see it. You need faith when you don't see it, but you still believe that you will see it. You're creating that that picture. Um, when when we lived in Budapest, we we had our Bible school going, and we had uh, we had a need for a van. And uh, you know, if you just lived in Budapest, public transportation is wonderful. You you uh, don't really need a vehicle. But we we had a vision to see ourselves going to uh, into other countries. The all of the countries surrounding Hungary were at one one time part of Hungary, and they got got all split up. So there are Hungarian-speaking people in all of the countries: uh, Serbia, Romania, uh, Austria, uh, all around there uh, have are, are very a, a large population of Hungarian-speaking people. And so we wanted to go and and minister to those people, and so we put out the the vision for a van. And we started talking to the Bible school students about it, about that van. We, we wanted a uh, 15 passenger. And, uh, so we just, we would talk about it. We'd build that vision. We'd, we'd get that picture so the students could see it, so I could see it more and more. And, uh, finally, a church in, in North Carolina, uh, sent a van to us. A 15-passenger Chevy van, and one of our students came up and and said, uh, "Pastor Dan says, I see, I see. God showed me it's a white van." And I'm thinking, I hadn't even thought of a color. I just want a thing to move the people. And sure enough, it came there, and and that van was white. You know, the the Bible says, "Write the vision, make it plain." So that you can, he who reads it can run with it. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but, uh, it, al- it also says the, wi- it won't, the vision won't tarry. It will come in due season. 
In other words, we have to speak for the vision until the vision can speak for itself. Amen? But uh, seeing is believing is starts with, with seeing with your spiritual eyes first. Psalm 27, verse 13 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The goodness is in the Word of God. The righteous, the righteousness and goodness of God is in the good news. This is good news. Now, I want to go to Mark 9. Uh, this will probably take the rest of the time we have. We're not going to be able to finish up this message today. Uh, guarantee you that. We'll pick it up again here tonight. But uh, I want to start here looking at Mark chapter 9. And in Mark chapter 9 starts out talking about the experience that Peter, James, and John had when they went with Jesus up to the top of a mountain and saw Jesus transfigured. They saw uh, Moses and Elijah come down and, and, and talk with, with Jesus. And I mean, these are things no one had ever seen before. And, and Peter, it says, uh, let's see, in, uh, it says here that, uh, Peter spoke up as, as they were, as they were talking. He says, it's good that we're here. Uh, we should build three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Uh, and I think he said it with a real nervous, uh, cackly voice and, and because it, it says, uh, he didn't know what to say because they were afraid. But not knowing what to say never stopped Peter. So he he said that. And it was right then that God spoke up and says, This is my beloved son. Hear him. In other words, Peter, let's, you know, can it for a while. Let's hear him. But I, I just wanted to go over that because I want to set up what, what happens next as they come down from that mountain. Because when they come down, now remember they have just seen amazing things. And they come down and there's kind of a turmoil going on down, down in the camp because this man had come with, with his son who was, who was having seizures and he wanted to see, he'd heard about these people that followed Jesus and wanted to see if they could do something. Well, Jesus wasn't there. And Peter, James, and John weren't there, but the rest of them were there. And so he went to them, and they did everything that they had seen Jesus do. They 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 bound and they loosed and they cast out and, and everything they, they had seen Jesus do. But the, the young man was not set free from, from his uh, demonic attack. And so the father was kind of upset, and, and when... Uh, you know they had done everything they they'd done before uh, everybody was was pretty upset about it they they uh, they came to jesus the, the disciples came to jesus wanted to know why couldn't we cast it out and this is this is uh, in mark 9 it's also in matthew 17 and jesus told them right away because of your unbelief whoa these are the disciples these are the guys that were with Jesus all the time. Another way to say that is because they 
they couldn't see it. They couldn't see, they could see Jesus doing it. Just like a lot of people today. They could, well, yeah, Jesus could do that. He's the Son of God. They don't realize that, that Jesus did that, did that as our example so that we could see ourselves doing the same things. And Jesus said, even greater things than these will you do. Um, but uh, we'll see how that's connected in a minute. But right now, let's look at verse 21 in Mark 9. Mark 9, verse 21. So this is Jesus. He asked the Father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he has thrown thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I think that he obviously didn't know who he was talking to there. He was talking to Jesus, the head of the church. If you can do anything, you know. Uh, this father at this point does not see his son getting set free. Uh, he wants it. He wishes it would happen. Uh, and there's a lot of emotion running around both with him and the other disciples because they've, they've tried and they've tried and, and nothing has happened so far. No results. So he, does, he doesn't see himself going home with this boy healed at this point. So let's see what happens here. Uh, you know, you think about what the disciples were, were doing. Just because someone makes a good confession and uh, it sounds biblical, it might even be biblical, but if they are just repeating things because somebody else did it, said it, had it, it's, there's no power in that until they see themselves with the ability to do that. But he doesn't see it yet. The, the other disciples didn't see it yet. But, uh, you know, you, you, you might see it and you might hear it. You know, you need to hear it because how does faith come? It comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing and hearing and hearing. But the enemy uses those same principles. But he uses it uh, with, with dark words and words of discouragement and defeat and fear and failure. And for most people, those are the only images that they've, they've had to deal with for years. And if, you've had, if that's all you've seen for maybe 5, 10, 20 years, your expectation... Is, is more of the same. Must be dry air up here. Thank you for the water, by the way. But when that's all we've, while we've heard it, it starts to develop a stronghold in your mind of this is the way things are and it will never change. And, and if that's all you can see, that's the way it will be. And, uh, you know, just because you, you went to one service and heard a good message and, and said amen, uh, that doesn't necessarily change things. It, it, it's not automatically gone. It can be, but until you start to see the, the changes, see the, the desired outcome, it's, it's not going to change. Um, 
And, and right now, this father doesn't see his boy getting set free. You know, many years ago, we, we were friends with a couple, I guess we're still friends with them, but a couple that were, had, they met on the mission field and, uh, got married, started to have a family, but now they had a desire to get back to the mission field. But he didn't have a job. He was not the most ambitious guy, to just say it that way. But he, he, uh, we sat there at dinner with him and, and the Lord showed us how they, they were in tremendous debt for one thing. And, but the Lord gave us a strategy to how they could do this and within a year could be where they wanted to be out on the mission field. The problem was we could see it, but they couldn't see it. And so they, they never did go back into, into the mission field. Now they did take part of the advice, got, got some income coming in, but, uh, you have to see it in order to be it. And, uh, and the thing is you can't separate faith from vision. What you can see has, has a lot to do with your faith. God speaks in vision. His words contain His thoughts. And His thoughts are light. And, and light and life. When I'm talking about light, the, the light from within to, to show you things you had not seen before. You know, Brother Hagen tells the story, uh, of course he's in heaven now, but, but he would tell the story about how when he was a young boy on the bed of affliction, as he called it, and, and he was basically waiting to die, but he, he ran across Mark chapter 5 and uh, talk about the woman with the issue of blood, and he wanted to talk to his pastor about that. And does this really mean what I think it means? But the pastor didn't come and didn't come. Finally, another minister came. But at that point, Brother Hagen was so uh, in such a bad way, he couldn't even hardly talk. He couldn't make himself be understood. Just make funny sounds that were, were in, you couldn't determine what they said. So finally, you know, most of you have probably heard this, how the, the uh, minister took his, took Brother Hagin's hand and patted it and said in his most professional voice, now, you know, be patient, my boy, in a few days it will all be over. And, uh, obviously that minister didn't see it. And, you know, we don't want to judge him for that because if you, if you don't see it, you don't see it. You can't, you can't teach something you haven't, you can't see for yourself. So, uh, Brother Hagen says that when he left, he says that, that place was so dark. He's what light he did have was taken away. And so he, he just basically waited to die. But now, without, I don't need to go into the rest of that story because you know Brother Hagen did recover. He was healed and he had an amazing ministry and we're still part of that, that ministry that, uh, that he started back then. Um, the real battle in our spiritual warfare is really, it's about light. Light versus darkness. And remember, you have to have light to be able to see. And, uh, you know, you've, you've never walked into a room in the, in the dark and, and flipped on the light switch and watched the light 
roll about halfway back and then stop and then the light and the dark are struggling. Who's going to win here? No. Light always overcomes darkness. Darkness has no power over light. I remember uh, years ago, my, my first teaching job was in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And one year I got a job cleaning the Rio Theater to, to be able to afford to be a teacher. So I had a part-time job. And my job was to go in either late at night after the last movie had shown or early in the morning before I would go to school, go into this huge theater, no lights on. The light switch is if, if you walk in and walk, you had to go clear back up on the stage over to the far side and reach and find that light switch. And sometimes I'd forget to ring a flashlight. And I'll tell you, there are all kinds, and I wasn't saved then, so there are all kinds of weird thoughts going through my mind, because there was, there was even a, a rumor that the place was haunted, but it was, but once I hit that light switch, wow, it's, it's obvious what's there. But it, it just, it was, uh, it's, darkness is, is, uh, no match for light. I like light. Uh, we both like light. We, uh, Marta will walk in and says, turn the lights on, let's, uh, it's too dark in here. Uh, but the only the only place darkness can flourish is when there is no light. And that's why this is so important that that we are beings of light. You're born of the light. You're a child of the light. Now, some lights are brighter than others. Don't look around at each other, but some lights are brighter than others. Um, but you have a lot to do with how bright your light is. And Jesus said in Matthew six five sixteen, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, you also have to understand that your light is not self-produced. Your light is not your light. Your light is more like the moon, the light from the moon, the moon doesn't generate light. The moon reflects light from the sun. And that's what we do. We reflect light. The light we get is from God. Let's get back to this. We don't want to leave this guy hanging here. Uh, the the young man, the the father with the young man, he said, told Jesus, if you can do anything, back in Mark 9, something's got to happen before this guy can receive his miracle. Uh, this boy has been tormented, tormented for such a long time. And when you've been living like that for, for such a long time, if, if you've had some kind of a nagging injury or some kind of a, something that just doesn't seem to go away, Eventually, you can get to the point where you think, well, this is just the way it's going to be. I'm, I'm going to be like this forever. I just expect more of the same. And the challenge for this man in Mark 9 and for all of us is to change that image. The, to change the thing that... And you change it by what you're hearing. And remember, uh, in, in Mark 4, Jesus said it several times... He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and, you know, it's not just these things stuck on the side of your head. It's, it's hearing and understanding and developing that, 
that ability to see what those those words are developing as as a picture for you to see as a vision because um, if you don't you don't if you don't develop that you can't see what god's trying to reveal to you and a lot of that has to do with your heart your heart attitude and choosing to believe whatever god says if god said it if it's in his word i i already believe it because he's always right God is always right. And uh, and we have to make a choice to receive whatever He says. And the condition of your heart determines whether you have a hearing ear or not. Um, Jesus answered this, this man uh, when He said, if you can do anything... Jesus' response to him was, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Another way to say that are all things are possible if you can see it being possible. And uh, that that's so important. And we need to be honest with ourselves. If you don't see it, you don't see it. Um, but you study the Word, you get the Word in you until you get more light, and then you can see it better. And, and uh, God's helping us to, to develop that creative power in our spirit, and uh, your words are connected to things you can see. And Mark 11, uh, 23 and 24, we'll talk about that this afternoon, uh, talk about the uh, believing and seeing. Uh, I'm just trying to find a place to cut this off here because we're we're getting close to the time. And uh, one of the things I do want to make sure I emphasize is we're talking about seeing the ability to see. How do you see yourself? Because probably the most important thing you can take from this is to see yourself in the Word of God. To see yourself based on what the Word says about who you are, what you can have, what you can do. Because that's, that's really the most important thing. And especially in this day and age, in, in this, in this country and around the world, people are starting to see a wrong picture of of the way the world want the the enemy wants you to to be i've never seen such a clear separation between good and evil in in my lifetime and uh but but what do you see how do you see it how how do you see yourself reacting to this and we'll talk about that more this evening. So I just want to pray right now. Uh, this has basically been an introduction to what we have. But Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that Your Word is true and it's tested. Father, help us to see the way that You see. Lord, help us to pray for that precious fruit of the earth. Lord, send the rain that they might see 
their hope in you. In Jesus' name. Open the eyes of their understanding that they would see the hope of their calling. And Lord, the same for us, that we would see where we fit, where we belong, where we, what we should be doing, that we would be in the right place at the right time. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.